There are so many areas of our lives in which we can become overwhelmed. Even getting groceries is more difficult than it used to be. When I was a kid, which granted was several decades ago, and my mom went to the grocery store and got Cheerios, we were all on the same page as to what she was bringing home. Because it was only one kind of Cheerio. There are ten kinds of Cheerios right now. Did you know that? Ten kinds of Cheerios. Twenty-seven varieties of Crest toothpaste. Fifty-three flavors of Campbell soup. And I just want to tell you what's been happening with head and shoulder shampoo. <laughs> I will be very open and honest with you this morning that I use head and shoulder shampoo to control my dandruff. If you go to the store right now, there is Active Sport, Deep Clean, Hair Endurance, Refresh, Citrus Breeze, Ocean Lift, Dry Scalp Care with Almond Oil, Classic Clean, Sensitive Scalp Care, Itchy Scalp with Eucalyptus, Smooth and Silky, Extra Volume, Green Apple, Damage Rescue, Extra Strength, Extra Strength for Men, Clinical Strength, And I don't even want to know what comes after that. I just want shampoo. That's all I want. And that's the world that you guys have to live in. And I have to live in. And then you come here, and I stand up here, and I just go, all this information, all this stuff that we talk about every week, There's so much to learn. There's so much to know. 1,500 pages of Scripture. And it's a lot to process. And we've covered a lot of ground over the last seven weeks. For those of you that have been here and and have kind of followed along with this series, we've talked about a lot of stuff. The church is the community of all true believers in Jesus Christ. That's us. That's those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior. And we are called out. We're called out of this world. Commanded to be distinct from sinfulness and from the swamp of a culture that we live in. We are called to have good doctrine based on the truth of God's word. We are called to fellowship together and to encourage one another and to spend time together challenging each other. We are called to have a mission in this world to share the truth of the gospel. We are commanded to worship God. We are commanded to have godly leadership that builds into the body for their spiritual growth and not their own well-being. We are called to holiness talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That's a tough one. And then last week we saw that we are called to pray. It's a long list, and it's a lot, and it can be overwhelming. And we sit here, and we think about all of this, and we could ask ourselves, how can I possibly do this? How can I possibly do all of this? It's not that I'm sitting here, maybe you're sitting here, maybe you've been sitting here for the last few weeks or or the last few months or maybe even the last few years, and you're not sitting there saying, I don't want to do it, but how can I do it? Or I don't want to not do it, but how can I do it? 
Let me just say this before we go any further, my friends, and that is that Satan would absolutely love for you to be so overwhelmed by all that we are commanded to do. He would love for us to be paralyzed into action, inaction. He would love for us to be frozen in place by feelings of inadequacy. He would love for us to just think, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But we must understand and remember this, that God has given us a wonderful gift, and that is the Holy Spirit, to indwell us, to guide us, to empower us. And what I want you to grasp this morning as we look into God's Word is that the Holy Spirit enables us to live the distinct called out life. Some of you have heard of a lady by the name of Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was a survivor of the Holocaust, not a Jew, but a rescuer of Jews. And she was sent to the concentration camps where she lost her entire family. She was the only one who survived. She spent the rest of her life traveling and teaching and, and sharing truth with people. And she said this, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, tedious of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God's work flows out of you. And so without the Holy Spirit, we are apt to be more discouraged than we were before, more discouraged than when we came here. Have you ever come here? And I, I don't know, can we blame part of this on Pastor Tim at least? Maybe I was up here or Tim was, and you walked away and you were more discouraged when, than when you got here. You're like, oh my word. I was feeling pretty good about life, and I didn't even know that I had to do all that too. And it can be frustrating. It can be exhausting. It is impossible, in fact. To most Christ followers, the Holy Spirit is kind of like your pituitary gland. You've heard of it. You know you've got one. You don't necessarily want to lose it but you really don't have any idea what it does. I want to suggest to you that the Holy Spirit is more like your heart. He gives you life. He gives you strength. He enables you to do what you need to do, and without it, you wouldn't be here. We're going to look in our Bibles in the book of John this morning, a couple of passages in John. So if you want to turn there with me, you can. If you don't have your Bible, the verses will be on the screen that we're going to look at. But John, in chapter 13 through 17, we've referred to this many times. This passage details this last evening that Christ spent with his disciples. And he gives them a lot of final instructions. He tells them what's going to happen coming up in just a few short hours. And there was a lot that he hadn't told them. I mean, he had given them a lot of information, but there was a lot of things that they didn't know. He was still with them. But we're going to jump into the conversation in John chapter 16. So if you look there, John 16, again, this is, a, this is a whole long conversation. When you're reading this part of the Bible, when you start in John 13, and you're reading those next four chapters, read them all together like they're one conversation because that's what they are. We're jumping into the middle of it in John 16 and verse 5. This is what Jesus says. 
but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? So Jesus is, he has before this, before this evening, he has broached the subject with them that he was going to be leaving, that he wasn't going to stay there with them forever. I don't know if they just didn't get it or they didn't want to think about it or what, but they just kind of brushed it off. An occasional question here or there. But now he is flat out telling them in this evening that he is leaving. And the disciples were struggling to understand what was happening. Jesus was, he was explaining it to them, but the penny wasn't dropping. They just weren't getting it. If they had understood what Jesus means by this verse is that if they had understood, they probably would have wanted to know some of the details of what he was going to do. That's what he's saying. Like, if you understood this, you would ask me where I was going and what I was doing, but they, they weren't processing it. Verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So the only part of this that they got about Jesus leaving was the fact that he wouldn't be there. They weren't thinking about the, the implications of where he was going or what he was going to do or what things would be like later. All they could think about was the fact that he was going to be gone, and they were very sad by that, and all they knew was that they didn't want him to go. You have to understand here that for the past three years, this group of guys, these 12 guys had been with Jesus almost constantly for these three years. They'd been the best three years of their lives. They had, in fact, left everything to follow him. I'm sure you've read some of those stories in the Gospels where they literally left They left their livelihoods. They left their families They left their friends, their homes, and they followed Jesus. And now they were devastated. You've often heard Tim and I I telling you when you're reading the Scripture to, to try to put yourself in the Scripture, insert yourself into the story. Well, imagine that you had just spent the last three years of your life with Jesus. Now, if, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you may think, well, okay, I don't know what that would mean. But, but if, you're, if you're someone who loves God, if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time in your life, imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus. I mean, we come here and we read Scripture together and we, we talk about it, but imagine being with him for three years, watching him perform miracles being there and seeing those huge cauldrons of water that you just saw the servants pour water into and watching them dip wine out. Watching the little kid with his Lunchable. Here, Jesus. And Jesus taking those little pieces of fish and a few little pieces of bread and making it enough for thousands of people. And then imagine being the person who took a basket and said, we better clean up the leftovers. Imagine watching a guy 
feeling his way around and Jesus walking over and putting his hands on him and then seeing him, his eyes open for the first time. That's what these guys had spent three years doing. And now Jesus says, I'm leaving. They were completely devoted to him. And now he's going to tell them, not only that he's leaving, but the best thing that he could do for them is to leave. Look at what he says next. Look at verse 7 of John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Literally, it is to your advantage. Literally, this is for your benefit. Oh my goodness. How many times have you had somebody tell you, this is for your own good? Right? This is good for you. When you're trying to fork that broccoli down, this is good for you. This is for your benefit. How many times have you believed that? And this is what Jesus is saying. This is for your benefit. It's a good thing for me to leave. Now we're going to talk about the word helper in a moment, but we know from the context that Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, how could Jesus leaving be a benefit to them? Well, in two ways. The first way was this, that Jesus had to leave to die to provide salvation for their sin. They didn't fully understand the nature of his deliverance. They knew Jesus was there. They believed that he was God at this point. They believed that he was going to rescue them. But they were thinking about social and economic and political rescue. But he was going to provide rescue from the bondage of sin. It was literally his entire mission. His entire mission was to come to the earth and then to die. They didn't quite understand that. They didn't understand that it was to their benefit that he go so that he could die and provide salvation for their sin. But the second way it was a benefit for him to leave is that what he mentions there in the verse, that the Holy Spirit would come after he left. They didn't know this either at the time. But the coming of the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about this in a moment, but the coming of the Holy Spirit would radically transform their lives. See, they had walked with Jesus for three years, and they were like, this is great. Jesus is great. My life is not the same. They didn't understand that it would be transformed in an even more meaningful way when the Holy Spirit came. And by the way, not only did the coming of the Holy Spirit radically transform their lives, but it radically transformed every subsequent Christ follower's life, including ours. 
Now let's backtrack to John 14. If you're still in John, flip over a couple of pages, flip back a couple of pages to John 14. I want to read you a couple of things that he tells them a few minutes earlier in that evening. So John 14 and verse 15. Again, remember, same conversation, sitting around the same table, in the same upper room, same group of people. John 14, verse 15, maybe you have heard this verse before, listen to it. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now that's, I don't know, I guess I was, I was going to say that's what we've been talking about the last seven weeks, but I guess that's what we've been talking about the last 20 years, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. This is our calling to be distinct from the world by being obedient to the commands of Christ. I want you to notice something here. This is not cold, legal obligation. This is personal, loving obedience. Do you see the difference? Do you understand the difference? This wasn't some cold, detached, unfeeling, supreme being who took a big hammer and said, Obey me or I'll... This was Jesus. He was their friend. He was their companion. He was their teacher. He was their rabbi. And he said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Show me you love me by doing what I ask you to do. True obedience is willing and glad and free. And you might say, yes, I want to do that. See, when Jesus was saying, if you love me, keep my commandments, I don't think he was just talking to those 12 guys. He was talking to us. If you love me, Keep my commandments. But how can I possibly do that? Look at verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, I hope you don't take this this way. I am not saying this to make any kind of a statement about myself and my spirituality. But I have to tell you, I've literally read this verse hundreds of times, okay? Hundreds of times. I've preached on this passage and taught on this passage probably dozens of times in the last 30 years. But I think this week, I'm not exaggerating, this week for the first time, I, liter- I, I finally clued into the proximity of verse 15 and verse 16. If you love me, keep my commandments... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I finally clued in that these verses are back to back. If we love God, if we promise to keep his commandments, if we make a commitment to him, he will send us another helper. Let's look at that phrase. Now, we we know Jesus... We know what he did. We can talk about that all day long. But the Holy Spirit, notice how he describes him. He describes him as another helper. 
We have talked about this before, but I am not so arrogant to believe that all of you remember this, so let me give you just a little quick Greek grammar lesson. Let me start by giving you a, a brief English grammar lesson, which, if anything, is worse than a Greek grammar lesson. But in English, you know, right, we have the word another, and you may not think about it too much, but we use the word another two ways. We use the word another to talk about things that are alike, and we use the word another to talk about things that are not alike. That's one of the reasons why everybody else in the world but us hates English, because it's such a weird language. And so we think, say things like, when we go to McDonald's and I take one bite of the quarter pounder with cheese, I say, mm, I want another hamburger. <laughs> You know what I mean, right? Because of the context. But if I go to Five Guys and I get a uh, little bacon burger with grilled green peppers, pickles, and ketchup, and I eat the whole thing, and I say, oh, I want another hamburger. Right? That's how we use it in English. Same word, two different ways. But in Greek, there are two completely different words. Alos which means another of the same kind, and heteros, which means another of a different kind. And so when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another of the same kind. The word is alos. I'm going to ask him to give you another of the same kind. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the same as Jesus in that he is God. He's God. He's co-equal with the Father and the Son. If I hear one more person describe the Holy Spirit as an electrical outlet that we need to get plugged into, I'm going to scream. He's God. He's not a power supply. He's a full person of the Godhead who acts, who decides, who speaks, and his importance cannot be overstated. We spend an hour and a half in Theology 101 talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. Because so many people believe that the Holy Spirit is, is a breeze, or a wind, or an influence, or a power, or an electrical outlet. He is none of those things. He is a person, a full person of the Godhead. Jesus says another helper, the word helper, if anyone cares, the Greek word is parakletos. And it means an advocate, a counselor, a comforter. The word para, it's two words put together. The word para means from close beside. And the word kletos means one who makes the call. And so the picture here is this, of a legal advocate or a counselor who helps you make the right decision because he's so close to the situation that he knows exactly what's happening. That's the word. And so what Christ is saying is, I'm going to ask the Father to send another helper. I'm going to ask the Father to send the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who is God, who will be so close to you and so fully aware of everything that is going on in your lives that if you listen to him, that's the key, if you listen to him, he will help you make the right decision. This is, in fact, the entire key 
to the Christian life. This is the key to New Testament Christianity, that the Holy Spirit is with you, walks beside you, comforts you, counsels you, empowers you. Jesus says he will be with you forever to continue and advance God's work. Look at verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here's another description of the Holy Spirit. Here Christ calls him the spirit of truth. Literally the spirit of reality. The Holy Spirit shows us the reality of life, the reality of sin, the reality of Scripture, the importance of obedience. He exposes the lies of Satan to us. The Holy Spirit is not a reward for good behavior. The Holy Spirit is not a special prize given to the most spiritual of us. He is God, and he indwells every believer, every Christ follower. Notice what Jesus says at the end of that verse, 17. He dwells with you and will be in you. It's interesting to me, too. I will just mention this before we move on. Jesus says in that verse, I don't know if you noticed it when I read it for you, verse 17. It says, you know him. You know him. I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because they didn't understand what was happening. The Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? Why are you leaving? Why are you leaving, Jesus? Stop talking about this other person and tell us why you're leaving. And Jesus says, you know him. How did they know him? Well, they knew the Holy Spirit because they knew Christ. And he was God as well. Just as Christ is God, you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit indwells us to empower our lives, our devotion, our obedience, our witness, our prayer, our fellowship, our holiness, our service. And for this reason, my friends, we need to understand that the disciples were not and we are not impoverished by Christ's departure, but in fact, we are greatly helped. Now, I understand that it's not easy to be the one that stands out in this world. I understand that for all the talk of individuality and living your truth and all that garbage that the world spews, the real message of this world is conform, assimilate, be like us and believe like us and promote the things we promote. That's the real message of the world. And not coincidentally, it is the opposite of what you are called to. You are called out. 
If you're a Christ follower, you are called to be different. Francis Chan wrote a book a few years ago called Forgotten God, which is about the Holy Spirit. And in it, he says this. It's true that God may have called you to be where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. You may not want to read that book if you enjoy comfort and peace. (laughs) He didn't call you here. Christ didn't save you. God didn't choose you so that you could live here and settle in and get all cozy and comfy. That's not why we're here. We're called to be different. The Holy Spirit enables you to live the distinct, called-out life. I want to read you two more verses from John 14 as we wrap this up. John 14 and verse 25, Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Listen. We acknowledge that Jesus has left us with a lot of truth. And it's weighty. And it can be overwhelming. But he doesn't want to see us flounder. He wants to see us grow. He wants to see us thrive. He wants to see us get stronger and more consistent in our spiritual lives. The very next verse John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the one whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Again, for the third time, the Helper, the Parakletos, the one who comes alongside us. You know, God did this. The Father did this. He sent the Holy Spirit. You know what happened in Acts 1 and 2 just a few weeks after this? After Jesus had this conversation with the disciples, right? He went to the garden to pray. He was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested. He was tried. He was convicted of being exactly who he said he was. He was sent to the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. He spent a few weeks with his disciples and in the community showing everyone that he was truly alive. And then in Acts chapter 1, we see that he was gathered with his disciples and he said, guys, it's time for me to go. And if you read Acts chapter 1, while they stood there and were watching, Jesus ascended into heaven. And everything that he had said in these chapters, in that final evening with them in the upper room, all came crashing down on them. And they were terrified, and they were discouraged, and they were confused. And so a whole bunch of them, the disciples and 120 of them, went into this room and they locked the door because they were terrified of what was going to happen next. And they decided to pray. And as they prayed, Acts chapter 2, if you want to read it for yourself, as they prayed, 
the Father sent the Spirit as Jesus had promised. And the Holy Spirit came on them and he indwelled them and empowered them. And they went out of that room, out into the crowds of people. It was a, it was a feast time, a festival time, the Feast of Pentecost. And there were thousands and thousands of people from all over the world that had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And they spoke all kinds of different languages because they lived in all different countries and all different areas. And the disciples and those 120 people, they went down and they started sharing the gospel with people. And guess what? The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to share the gospel with those people in their own language, even though they didn't know the language. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do that. And everybody was looking around saying, what in the world is going on? How can we hear the gospel in our own language? These guys don't know our language. And Peter, who had just a few weeks before, got chased away by a little girl asking him if he knew Jesus. Peter stood up among thousands and thousands of people and he preached the gospel to them. And guess what happened? 3,000 people got saved. And the church was born that day. Now, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Because the Father sent the Holy Spirit and transformed their lives. Yes, it is a lot. No, we don't have Jesus walking with us. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have God himself. And just as the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to understand Christ's words and to implement them and to be obedient to them, he enables us to grasp the truth. He enables us to learn it, to apply it, and to live it. And just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit will enlighten and comfort and strengthen and challenge and rebuke us, always in harmony with what Jesus said, because he is God. And the only way to live this life that we've been talking about for the last seven weeks, the only way to live our calling as holy, is to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to sing a song here as we close, and it's really kind of a prayer. And I want to invite you to sing it with us. I want to invite you to pray it with us as we sing it. But I want you to ask yourself, what is the status of my heart? Examine yourself. Am I living in submission to the Holy Spirit? Am I letting him lead me and guide me? You need to recommit to denying yourself because we trust in the Lord and we claim his promises. And as the body of Christ, as the church, the only hope we have is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand with us and, and sing this with us as a prayer this morning as we close.
could um, we could keep going with a series 
I just thought of the next week. Unity. Bind us by your grace. The Holy Spirit is the connecting thread and the grace of Jesus Christ that binds us together so that we can do what God wants us to do. You know what happened in the next few chapters of Acts? We should do Acts sometime. After that, the gospel spread like wildfire. Thousands and thousands of people got saved in all of these regions. And in Acts 17, Paul and Silas are there and and they're preaching the gospel and they're being beaten and they're being threatened. And you know how they describe them and the disciples in Acts 17? He says they're called those who have turned the world upside down. We can have an impact in this world. We can have an impact in our communities, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's what God wants to do here through us. That's why it's so important that we are called out and that we do this together. You branch off in your own little thing and wander off. You will not have the impact that we will have together as we ask God to move and work in our midst. That's our challenge as the called out ones. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. We need it. And we need your Holy Spirit, most of all, to help us to understand the truth and apply it to our hearts, to challenge us when we are wrong, to comfort us when we hurt, to strengthen us when we are weak. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit today, Father. May he empower us as we leave here that we might be your children, called out, distinct from this world and meeting the needs of those around us for the sake of the gospel. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great week, folks.